I can't tell you how many times I sat in meetings where they said, I've always wondered how I can manage that risk more effectively. I just didn't know this is the way you could do it. Welcome to the Manufacturing Executive Podcast, where we explore the strategies and experiences that are driving mid-sized manufacturers forward. Here, you'll discover new insights from passionate manufacturing leaders who have compelling stories to share about their successes and struggles. And you'll learn from B2B sales and marketing experts about how to apply actionable business development strategies inside your business. Let's get into the show. Welcome to another episode of the Manufacturing Executive Podcast. I'm Joe Sullivan, your host and a co-founder of the industrial marketing agency, Gorilla 76 After a year of unpredictability, here we are looking at a future where the word risk has a very different meaning to many of us. And my guest today is someone who's built his career around risk management. Van Carlson is here to talk about exactly that and specifically for the manufacturing sector. Van Carlson is the founder and CEO at Strategic Risk Alternatives and has over 25 years of experience within the risk management industry. Van began his career with Farmers Insurance Group as an agent, eventually growing his book to be among the largest in his home state of Idaho. Van focuses strategic risk alternatives on risk management primarily and facilitates SRA to assess and solve for the risks their clients have. Van's primary goal is to continue the upward growth of SRA and continue to develop new products to bring to market. Van, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you for having me on, Joe. I appreciate uh, you taking the time for me and give our message out there to your listening audience and uh, look forward to our discussion. Yeah, me too. It should be it should be great. So, I think it's a very timely topic, especially just given the the craziness of the last year or so. I guess before we get into it, Van, can you start by just telling our listeners a little bit about how you got into this world of risk management? Yeah, so you know, risk management by accident, of course, like most careers, I think nowadays. But yeah, so you know, I got into risk management. wasn't planning for it, so I got out of college and started looking for uh, different jobs and uh, owning my own business was always appealing to me. So insurance aid, running an insurance company allowed me to do that. And so that's how I got into it. I was pretty successful at it, grew my, grew my book of business in the insurance world uh, pretty well enough to where I can start giving all my hats away to other people and hiring people and so forth. And I really kind of gravitated towards business owners and really more of a consulting with business owners on risk. And that's what really elevated me to think of myself more as a risk manager than somebody out selling insurance. And I, I think a lot of business owners today kind of have to have that in the background and, and meaning that they got to either rely on a consulting person to be able to handle the risk more, more effectively because unfortunately, risk is getting more and more complicated. I think our last year proves that out to be the case when you, know, you, you don't know how good your insurance is going to be until you need it. And then sometimes you find out it's maybe not everything you thought it was going to be. So that's where the consulting comes in for risk management. And, you know, I really got into what we do today. Primarily, it was an 08. And I really had to do more of the financial, uh, you know, what they call it, the Great Recession. And that's it became very glaring that business owners take a lot of financial risk to run their business every day. And a lot of things are outside their control. And when things like that happen, you know, how do you mitigate that? And I saw some people that we're utilizing the tools that we offer our clients today that not only did they survive the downturn, but they thrived in it. And that's when I thought, you know, this is what, this is, this is what smart money does. This is, 
you know, they don't run to the stock market when everybody's buying it. They, you know, this is, this is how you, you survive your company and you think of things outside the box. And, you know, unfortunately, a lot of people think, you know, just because they haven't heard of this concept of some kind of form of risk mitigation, risk mitigation, utilizing tax deferred dollars out of their operating company doesn't mean they, they should, they should always look at all the tools that are available to them and then make a decision if it's a tool for them or not. And, and that's what really got me going into it. And then, and then too, you know, that, that brought me to a consulting with clients on a whole nother level. And it's really has to do with what we call unfunded risk on your balance sheets, right? So you got an A risk where you can transfer that to traditional insurance companies and then the B risk or unfunded risk. And that's kind of where we, we kind of run in the between the bandwidth of that. And so that's, unfortunately, you know, there's a lot of B, B unfunded risk on their books. And, you know, sometimes they learn at the wrong time. And a lot, unfortunately, a lot of clients did last year. I think COVID-19, I think, it, you know, just like the financial or the Great Recession, when you come out on the back end of these things, you will be a better business owner from the standpoint of the experience, you know, you, you live from your experiences. And, you know, I don't think a lot of people, I don't think anybody saw this coming, obviously. But, you know, going forward now, now you know, and being better prepared for these unforeseen issues gives your ability for your companies to survive. And we all work too hard to run our businesses and do all those things and then have something come in that we may have been able to control better had we just known that certain things were available to us and take advantage of them. And so we're excited about the future of our company. We've seen a big upgrowth and in, in clients understanding the concept I just mentioned, the unfunded liabilities on your books and how do you mitigate that risk more effectively. And that's utilizing really a very little known tax code called 831B. There's two tax codes that allows business owners to defer income into their business. One is a 401k, and that's really designed for their retirement and their employees' retirement. And then the 831B is the ability for your company to survive and related to unfunded risk. If I have a risk that's unfunded, I can't just take a dollar and set it off to the side and say, hey, if something, this happens, I'm going to use this dollar. Our current tax code in the United States says, no, that's income. Self-insuring risk is not a deduction. And that's when Congress introduced this tax code was really back in 1986, the 831B. Farmers are finding themselves self-insuring their crop insurance. Private sectors are getting out of it. For, you know, for-profit insurance companies are getting out of it. And now, of course, the government's heavily involved in crop insurance, no different than they are with flood insurance or earthquake zones or even hurricane zones now, where there's such catastrophic events, only the government can really step in and insure those types of risk. And so that's why the code was designed. It was really designed for unfunded liabilities. And then, of course, now you fast forward 30 some odd years later, risk has gotten much more complicated. Technologies, the supply chain risks that we're at looking at today brand coverages. I mean, I can go on and on about the really the risks that traditional insurance companies aren't going to take on. We call it the intangible assets of the business versus the tangible. We think traditional insurance companies do a very good job insuring your buildings, your, your inventory, your warehouse, all those things. Those are the tangible assets of your business that typically you depreciate, where the intangible assets of your business is your intellectual property, your contracts, your reputation in the community, all those things. That's the intangible. I don't believe traditional insurance companies do a very good job at all when it comes to covering your intangible assets. And so well, for your listeners' point of view, I just want to make sure they understand it. You know, I, I, most business owners understand their insurance policies aren't going to cover for everything. They might see a policy that says all risk. And then that inch behind that wording is really the exclusions that they're being putting in the policy. So, you know, if your policies are getting wider, it's not because they're increasing coverages. It's really because they're putting more exclusions in the policy. 
And so that's those, those are things that we go in there and we talk about recall, specifically to your listeners in the manufacturing industry. We have a lot of clients out there that they know their risk, especially when it comes to recall, when it comes to brand damage, supply chain risk is huge today. I mean, it's almost the news every day right now. And I think a lot of it has to do with COVID-19 of plants shutting down here for 30 days and the part not being manufactured in time, all of those things. And of course, that rippling effect throughout the supply chain risk can be quite detrimental. And our policies are really designed to maintain the cash flow of the business. And, and that's where we go in and kind of, you know, assess their risk and how do we take care of some of these things in a way that, that allows you in the future to manage that risk more effectively. Fan, what are you hearing in regard to traditional insurance premiums potentially increasing or the overall traditional insurance market hardening? And, and is there anything that leaders of manufacturing organizations can do about it? Yeah, there's, there's going to be a lot of things. I, I, well, first off, you can see the right on the wall. I mean, the rates are definitely increasing this year. We've had a softening of the market for, I would say, the probably the last 10 plus years quite honestly. You know, there's going to be gaps of industries that may see rate increases because of one thing or another, but overall rates have been pretty steady, but we're seeing substantial, not just double digits, but, you know, we're talking like 50, 60% rate increases in traditional insurance companies. And, and a lot, there's a lot of reasons for it. Uh, I think COVID-19 obviously is a big driver of that. There's been a compression of competition. There's just been a lot of industries that, and manufacturers, unfortunately, one of them that you don't have a lot of insurance carriers out there like you used to 10, 15 years ago. You know, everybody, everybody's kind of dissect the pie up. You know, what are their risk of appetite for this industry? And, you know, and, and one might say, hey, we've had bad, we've had a bad situation here and we're just going to get out of it and they'll go do something else or stay, you know. So I think over time, all these insurance companies start to split up the pie to where, hey, this is what we're good at. This is what we're going to do. Unfortunately, the lack of competition in any of those industries will lead to higher rates. It's just the way the world works, right? So that's another reason why as well. But what we're seeing more and more though is business owners that run a good operation, understand their loss controls, have you know good have good safety means, do all the things they're supposed to as, as a as a protection of their business from a risk mitigation standpoint, because nobody wants to have claims. I mean, I, I make it very clear to clients, there's never a good situation when you need to have insurance. And so thank God, pay the premium and never have a claim. Good on you. Because you don't want to go through that, right? So, but at the same time, those operations though, what we're finding is, and you know, they're obviously subsidizing the ones that are the bad player, not necessarily the bad players, I shouldn't say that, but more of uh, their operations not as, as well ran as yours, but you're subsidizing those clients. That's just the way the insurance world works. So what we're seeing with those types of clients where they're already in a good operation, they have low loss ratios and those stuff, we're actually seeing them taking on a, a higher first dollar loss. And what I mean by that is, think of a deductible on a car, right? If I have a $500 deductible on a collision car, so if I'm driving the vehicle and I slide into a, a light pole due to ice or whatever, I pay the first $500 of damage to my vehicle. My liability insurance will fix that light for nothing. I don't have to pay anything out to fix that light. And that's traditional insurances and that's how it works. What we're seeing in the commercial side, in order to offset some of those premiums increases, the clients are willing to take on more risk. So now they may take on, instead of a $500 or a thousand or $2,500 deductible for collision on, so say a commercial vehicle, they may want a five or 10,000. And that lowers their cost down, increases your risk for you know more out of pocket. And then of course, the first dollar loss on liability insurance. We're seeing a lot of that with product liability, 
And we're also seeing a lot of the general liability insurance as well, where they'll take on a higher, now they'll just take on a deductible. Now, what that looks like is really the risk appetite to the client when they're doing a, willing to do a $25,000, dollars or $100,000 risk or first dollar loss. And is there an aggregate cap? And, you know, there's some things, mechanisms to it. You're just not going to have a runaway claim and have at risk of losing your business over a simple claim. But all that being said, it, it with our program, what we do, though, is we allow you to build these reserves up, take the tax deferral program that the 831B allows you to do, and then build up the surplus and reserves into your own your own vehicle, your own insurance company base is what we would call it. And now you can now you're in a position to take on better risk. You're using last year's profits to take care of this year's exposures. And that's just good risk mitigation. That's just good business. You know, I know the PPP program was big for a lot of business owners. I mean, obviously that was huge last year when there was a huge slowdown down and most business owners were forced to shut down. But, you know, that's the government stepping in and basically giving out a program and giving out the money. But from my point of view, I think most business owners out there that want to run their own ship and steer their own way, if there's a tools like this available to them, I think it, they owe it to themselves to, to definitely certainly look into it. And, and again, if you're having a good year, just to take it a little bit off the top, park it off to the side on a tax deferral basis, which means you're expensing it out of your operating company instead of leaving it in there and paying taxes on it. And, and, now, you, and now instead of allocating a dollar for my warranty or allocating my dollar for my recall policy or my cyber, or all these other gap covers, unfortunately, that business owners have today, I can take this dollar now and expense it on my operating company and I still have that dollar, right? The dollar's still sitting in the bucket over here. Well, you know, if, if I got if I have this happening, if I have to use this insurance company, it's not a good day, I promise you. But would you rather fight the fight with 50 cents or the on the dollar or the whole dollar? And that's really where that's the differentiator in the program. It gives you the ability to manage risk more effectively. I, I tell our clients, one of the best, best best compliments we get from our clients is that, hey, Van, I've been with your company for a while, but one thing your company, one thing your product does for me, that would, it just makes me sleep easier at night, knowing that that money's tucked off to the side, and if we need it, we have it available. I don't have to go to a bank, get a bigger line of credit, or pull, pull cash flow from this one side of the company and to put it, pump it into this one because we got a cash flow constraint over here because of a unforeseen issue that came up. And, and again, you know, Congress is interested in business owners staying open. I mean, payroll taxes is a big part of their tax program is payroll tax, small business owners to middle, middle market business owners and large companies. I mean, these are tools that are available to you that you may be hearing about it for the first time, but just know that it's been around for over 30 years. And I can promise you this, big Fortune 500, big companies have been utilizing these tools literally for decades now. And so again, I can't reiterate enough that just because it and it is still new to a lot of business owners. We believe as a company that this will become a normal business practice. And I think unfortunately COVID-19 will probably drive that home with a lot of business owners that there are a lot of things we know we can't buy insurance for, but we still have the risk. So how do we manage that risk more effectively? And, you know, unfortunately, taxes is part of that. I mean, if I can avoid, if I can defer paying taxes today, and I know I have more of a, of a let's call it a war chest or just a rainy day fund down the road. And if I need it, that's great. Now, if I don't need it, I, I sell my business, I walk away, whatever happens, I can always shut the insurance company down. And the nice thing with a C Corp, it comes out as capital gains or dividends. Now, 
you may win in that scenario because obviously, you know, an S corp or LLC or even a C corp, all those expenses are being taxed at today's rates. And down the road, we, we don't know what's going to happen with the tax thing, right? I mean, it's just, it gets, doesn't matter. It gets kicked around all the time. It's just, it's just what it is. But certainly deferring taxes today with the idea to, if in the event you need to have your business survive, it's, it can be a game changer. Well, that's that's all really good stuff, Van. You've you've sort of mentioned COVID, you know, a couple times, and and one thing I wanted to ask you is because you've mentioned it to me as we were talking leading up to this conversation that you know the pandemic has brought to light some gaps in traditional insurance, and especially for manufacturers, what options do they have to prevent this in the future? I mean, first of all, what are some of these gaps, and what what options do they have to deal with that stuff going into the future? Yeah, so I, I think from my point of view on that would be the supply chain risk, I think is a is a glaring issue right now. You know, in the beginning, everybody thought we were going to have tremendous amount of supply chain risk, meaning that China was shutting down, you know, there was going to be this huge, you know, slack. Now, it wasn't as bad as I think people saw or, you know, what happened. Unfortunately, I think this year is where we're going to see the supply chain risk hit us more. And it's really more in the technology. I think a good example is Ford right now. It's going to have to shut down their F-150 plants because they're not getting the chips they need to continue manufacturing the number one vehicle they sell. And, you know, that's Ford. You know, what happens if you're a smaller business and you're dependent on some of these different chips and manufacturings or this, you know, call it a widget or whatever you want. And there's this, you know, it's, it's kind of like this rippling effect, you know. What caused one cause here may be unrelated today, but it doesn't catch up to you till four months later. And it's still, you know, the cause and effect happened when you maybe didn't think it was going to. And so I think this year will be really interesting from that. I mean, I hate to say this, but in risk management, I get a little geeked out on that stuff. And I find it somewhat interesting. I don't know if it's a sickness or what, but it's just the cause and effects of risk is, is dynamic. I mean, as weird as that might sound to a lot of your listeners, yeah, so I think this year supply chain risk is going to be a big one. We think called contingency business interruption. I think as natural catastrophes increase, just because my plant is not being affected doesn't mean the highways, the road systems, the bridges, and everything are shut down. That they can't get to me, and I can't get to them. We've seen that. We've seen that recently with hurricanes, and that that's always been there. But the contingency business interruption, I think, is a big one. I think political risk is huge today in manufacturing especially when dealing with foreign governments. It's always been there for them. And then the other ones would be, you know, brand damage, recall. Recall, I mean, we know recall's a, a challenge today. A lot of insurance, you talk about an insurance industry where they've really, you might only have less than three companies that offer recall, real, re, I would say robust recall policies where you think, okay, I'm, I'm going to be protected here in case we have to do a recall on a product I manufactured. You know, you're down to three companies, which means if you have a serious claim, you think the other two carriers are going to want what your business if you get if you get non-renewed by another recall? And then you're you're obligated. You know most companies are contractually obligated for their recalls today. I mean it's not Target or Costco out recalling your product. You're doing it right. You're bearing that cost. And so again, these are these are big issues potentially for business owners of manufacturing companies that and manufacturers and distributors for that matter that they they have exposure to. And so. You know, unfortunately, it's not It's not like the insurance industry tomorrow is going to go out and say, hey, yeah, guess what, guys? We're going to write a policy that's going to cover everything. Don't worry about it. Because here's the problem with the insurance companies. They, they At some point, you're not going to work just for the insurance company, 
right? They can't just keep charging more and more premiums and then you're going to keep buying their policies and the risk reward factor of running your business goes out the door. You got other expenses out there and if all of a sudden you got a 30, 40, 50% increase on a, on a line item that was steady for the last 10 years, you know, at some point the insurance companies, you're not going to go to work for them. You're not going to take the risk you do as a business owner. So there's a price point for them too. So one way to mitigate that price point is by adding more exclusions. So I think one of the things you're going to see after this year is you're going to see more exclusions come into policies. There's still some challenges on a thing called business. So if you were forced to shut down by a, a municipality or government, federal, whatever, and you shut your plant down for two months, you, you, you went to PPP, you got the PPP to cover your payroll and did all those things. But let's say there was other expenses like, oh, I don't know, loans on commercial buildings, all those types of things that came into play. And the revenue was already strapped because it literally started happening right after the first of the year, which we know most business owners today, you know, at the end of the year, they're trying to create expenses and lower down their tax liability. And then January 1, they get to start over at zero, right? Now, now we got to go out and sell, manufacture and get the products going. And now we got to make profit. And when you look at last year, that happened. It really started happening towards the end of the first quarter. So now you're going into the second quarter, now you're shut down and you didn't really able to build up your cash flow reserves. And now you're hoping, you know, that the banks will cooperate with you, government programs come out and all these other things. So there's a lot business owners can do. And, I, and again, I think this tax code allows you to do a lot of things more effectively and efficiently that, uh, again, allows you to sleep easier at night during these times of, and, 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 and here's the thing, Joe, I don't think it's going to get easier or easier to mitigate risk. I, I think if anything, risk is going to get ratcheted up. I think you're going to hear more and more about it. I think we're going to hear, you know, these, these tools will become more and more aware to business owners. And I think you're going to, you're going to see these types of things come into play. And, and like I said, it's going to become a normal business. This is like a formal case of normal business practice. If you want to retain employees and create a retirement for yourself, we believe owning an, eight, an 831B plan is going to be no different than a 401k plan. Now, that's not to say that there's lots of rules and regulations with this program, just like a 401k, maybe not as complicated as a 401k at times, but 401k has been on the books longer, you know, but with time, 831B will have a clarifications. There's been some issues in the past. I want to make sure your listeners, you know, that are Googling that task code, you know, and I make it very clear to them that, you know, unfortunately it was hijacked by state tax attorneys that were selling it more, not from a risk mitigation standpoint, like we've been discussing, but more from a state tax play for very wealthy individuals, obviously that have state tax issues. Great tax planning, but however, when the PATH Act became, I think the law was signed on Obama, and I think it became effective in the first year of the Trump administration, there were some changes made and eliminated the estate tax play that you would have under the 831B. And from a standpoint of lineal descendants and irrevocable trust and all that stuff, it, it became clear and Congress passed that law and actually in the PATH Act. So they eliminated that, however... There's still some bad actors out there, unfortunately, still preaching this more of a tax code savings and arbitrage than a real, mis- real risk mitigation. And my hope is with time, those people just kind of go away and let the risk managers actually make this program effective and efficient for their business owners to recognize the risks that they have and how do you manage it more effectively. And you certainly should be doing it with tax deferral dollars versus after-tax dollars. It just gives you a bigger war chest to fight the fight. Well, Van, is there anything I didn't ask you that you'd like to add to the conversation today? No, I appreciate the questions. I mean, like I said, you know, I think surprisingly, and I shouldn't be surprised by it, but there are a lot of business owners and and it doesn't matter what level in the spectrum you are in gross revenues, the type of business or anything else. 
that aren't aware of these types of tools that are available to them. And, you know, I hate that, right? I, I mean, these are tools. And and, it may, and for the right client, this is a great tool. And, and that's all this is, right? It's a tool to toe chest. Does it make sense to do it or not? Do we recognize risks that we're trying to fund somehow with after-tax dollars, but wouldn't it be better to use tax deferral dollars first and foremost, which a lot of that lies within the warranty. We're seeing me more and more all the time with the warranty aspect of, you know, in order to be competitive, you got to add, you know, you get very, very generous with these warranties. And that's even between suppliers or if you're, if you're, if you're B2B guy, I mean, in order to compete out there, you, you got to almost give the shop away to get their business, unfortunately. And, you know, because they're on, they're on pressure on their end too for the warranties. I mean, I, we call it non-merchability warranty, which means nothing's, the product's not defective. The customer, the end customer just didn't like it. And whoever they bought it from has this open-ended return policy that they'll tell their clients they're doing it, but they're not the ones honoring it. If you want to do business with them, you, you got to be the one in the back room meeting it. And so again, these are things that come up that you need to, you know, business owners are aware of it. It's just, and we've, been to, we've, I can't tell you how many times I've sat in meetings where they said, I've always wondered how I can manage that risk more effectively. I just didn't know this is the way you could do it. And so we've got a lot of clients like that, that, you know, I, I literally just came from an appointment where the client was like, I didn't know I could do that. But do you know how many times I was worried about how much sleep, sleep I was losing? And they were more related to service contracts and for custom contractors and labor warranties. This giving your labor warranty out to replace that product and, and you know, you got to eat it, right, as a labor warranty. But anyway, so that's that's kind of things that I would just bring up too. Is like if you're out there offering warranties, you know, how do you back those warranties up? Those, you know, typically those are unfunded liabilities as well. And the terms are just getting further and further out. And it's like, whoa, that, that's, that's, a, that's a risk. And, and I tell, tell clients all the time, warranties only become important when unfortunately the customer is it having a step back in life economically or the economy is just taking a step back in general? That's when you're going to see a calls and increases of warranty claims. Well, that means if you, if that's happening to your customer, it's more likely happening to you too. Your cash flow is becoming constrained. Meanwhile, you're seeing now uses of your warranty go up. Wouldn't it have been better in the previous years when times were good just to put, again, a little bit of profits off to the side to park and recognize that risk into the future and and just be more efficient with your business. And again, it's a great tool. And, and for the right client, it can be a game changer for them. Well, Van, I really appreciate you taking the time to share your knowledge today. Like there were a lot of really great nuggets here and probably some things that our li- listeners can take away and that they, they weren't really aware of. So thanks for doing this. Hey, it's my pleasure. Thank you, Joe. Yeah. So what can you tell our audience the best way to get in touch with you where they can learn more about SRA as well? Yeah, so we make it pretty simple. Um, our, our website's 831b.com. If you just want to type that in, 831b.com, it will go right to our website. And then, of course, my team. I've got a team out there of, of professionals. We've actually have advisors all over the country that represent our products as well. So love to get the information out there. I think that website, you know, does what it's supposed to do. It's supposed to give you information. Mm-hmm. There's plenty of videos to watch and all that kind of stuff. And then, of course, on there, you can find us directly. I think you hit the team and get to me email wise or always your, you know, our phone numbers on there and everything else. So obviously go to the website, 831b.com and your listeners can certainly start there. And, and if they have any questions or concerns, by all means, reach out to us directly.
Beautiful. Well, Van, once again, thanks for doing this today. And as for the rest of you, I hope to catch you on the next episode of The Manufacturing Executive. You've been listening to The Manufacturing Executive Podcast. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you'd like to learn more about industrial marketing and sales strategy, you'll find an ever-expanding collection of articles, videos, guides, and tools specifically for B2B manufacturers at gorilla76.com learn. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.